Section 3 of the Works of the Right Honorable Edmund Burke. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Works of the Right Honorable Edmund Burke by Edmund Burke. Section 3, Part 3 of A Letter to the Lord Unknown. At Nunct Res Agitur Tenui Pulmon Rebete. But how far corruption, finality, the contempt of honor, the oblivion of all duty to our country, and the most abandoned public prostitution are preferable to the more glaring and violent effects of faction, I will not presume to determine. Sure I am that they are not very great evils. I have done with the forms of government. During the course of my inquiry, you may have observed a very material difference between my manner of reasoning and that which is in use amongst the abettors of artificial society. They form their plans upon what seems most eligible to their imaginators for the ordering of mankind. I discover the mistakes in those plans from the real known consequences which have resulted from them. They have enlisted reason to fight against itself, and employ its whole force to prove that it is an insufficient guide to them in the conduct of their lives. But unhappily for us, in proportion as we have deviated from the plan rule of our nature, and turned our reason against itself. In that proportion have we increased the follies and miseries of mankind. The more deeply we penetrate into the labyrinth of art, the further we find ourselves from those ends for which we entered it. This has happened in almost every species of artificial society, and in all times. We found, or we thought we found, an inconvenience in having every man the judge of his own cause. Therefore the judges were set up, at first, with discretionary powers. But it was soon found a miserable slavery to have our lives and properties precarious, and hanging upon the arbitrary determination of any one man or set of men. We fled to laws as a remedy for this evil. By these we persuaded ourselves we might know with some certainty upon what ground we stood. But, lo, differences arouse upon the sense and interpretation of those laws. Thus we have brought back to our incertitude. New laws were made to expound the old, and new difficulties arose upon the new laws, as worlds multiplied opportunities of cavilling upon them multiplied also. Then recourse was had to notes, comments, closes, reports, responsa predentum, learned readings, eagle stood against eagle, authority was set up against authority. Some were allured by the modern, others the ancient. The new were more enlightened. 
the old were more venerable some adopted the comment others struck to the text the confusion increased the mist thickened until it could be discovered no longer what was allowed or forbidden what things were in property and what common in this uncertainty uncertain even to the professors an egyptian darkness to the rest of mankind the contending parties felt themselves more effectually ruined by the delay than they could have been by the injustice of any decision our inheritances are become a prize for disputation and disputes and litigations are become an inheritance the professors of artificial law have always walked hand in hand with the professors of artificial theology as their end in confounding the reason of man and abridging his natural freedom is exactly the same they have adjusted the means to that end in a way entirely similar the divine thunders out his anathemas with more noise and terror against the breach of one of his positive institutions or the neglect of some of his trivial forms than against the neglect or breach of those duties and commandments of natural religion which by these forms and institutions he pretends to enforce the lawyer was his forms and his positive institutions too and he adheres to them with a veneration altogether as religious the worst cause cannot be so prejudicial to the litigant as his advocates or attorney's ignorance or neglect of these forms a lawsuit is like an ill-managed dispute in which the first object is soon out of sight and the parties end upon a matter wholly foreign to that on which they began in a lawsuit the question is who has a right to a certain house or farm and this question is daily determined not upon the evidence of the right but upon the observance or neglect of some forms of words in use with the gentlemen of the robe about which there is even amongst themselves such a disagreement that the most experienced veterans in the profession can never be positively assured that they are not mistaken let us expostulate with these learned sages these priests of the sacred temple of justice are we judges of our own property by no means yes then we are initiated into the mysteries of the blindfold goddess inform me whether i have a right to eat the bread i have earned by the hazard of my life or the sweat of my brow the grave doctor answers me in the affirmative the reverend surgeon replies in the negative the learned barrister reasons upon one side and upon the other and concludes nothing what shall i do an antagonist starts up and presses me hard i enter the field and retain these three persons to defend my cause my cause which two farmers from the plough could have decided in half an hour takes the court twenty years i am however at the end of my labour and have in reward for all my toil and vexation a judgment in my favour but hold a sagacious commander in the adversary's army has found a flaw in the proceeding my triumph is turned 
into mourning. I have used or instead of and, or some mistake, small in appearance, but dreadful in its consequences, and have the whole of my success quashed in a writ of error. I remove my suit. I shift from court to court. I fly from equity to law, and from law to equity. Equal uncertainty attends me everywhere, and a mistake in which I had no share decides at once upon my liberty and property, sending me from the court to a prison, and adjudging my family to beggary and famine. I am innocent, gentlemen of the darkness and uncertainty of your service. I never darkened it with absurd and contradictory notions, nor confound it with chicane and sophistry. You have excluded me from any share in the conduct of my own cause. The science was too deep for me. I acknowledged it, but it was too deep even for ourselves, and have made the way so interested that you are yourselves lost in it. You err, and you punish me for your errors. The delay of the law is, your lordship will tell me, a trite topic in which of its abuses have not been too severely felt to be complained of. A man's property is to serve for the purposes of his support, and therefore to delay a determination concerning that is the worst injustice, because it cuts off the very end and purpose for which I applied to the judicature for relief. Quite contrary, in the case of a man's life, there the determination can be hardly be too much protracted. Mistakes in this case are as often fallen into as many other, and if the judgment is sudden, the mistakes are the most irretrievable of all others. Of this, the gentlemen of the robe are themselves sensible, and they have brought it into a maxim. De morti hominis nulla est conctatio longa. But what could have included them to reserve the rules, and to contradict that reason which dictated them, I am utterly unable to guess. A point concerning property, which ought, for the reasons I have just mentioned, to be most speedily decided, frequently exercises the wit of successions of lawyers for many generations. Multivirum volvens durando secula vincit. But the question concerning a man's life, that great question in which no delay ought to be counted tedious, is commonly determined in twenty-four hours at the utmost. It is not to be wondered at that injustice and absurdity should be inseparable companions. Ask of politicians the end for which laws were originally designed, and they will answer that the laws were designed as a protection for the poor and weak against the oppression of the rich and powerful. But surely no pretense can be so ridiculous. A man might as well tell me he has taken off my load, because he has changed the burden. If the poor man is not able to sport a suit, according to the vexations and expansive manner established in civilized countries, 
has not the rich as great an advantage over him as the strong has over the weak in a state of nature but we will not place the state of nature which is the reign of god in competition with political society which is the absurd respiration of man in a state of nature it is true that a man of superior force may beat or rob me but then it is true that i am at full liberty to defend myself or make reprisal by surprise or by cunning or by any other way in which i may be superior to him but in political society a rich man may rob me in another way i cannot defend myself for money is the only weapon with which we are allowed to fight and if i attempt to avenge myself the whole force of that society is ready to complete my ruin a good parson once said that where the mystery begins religion ends cannot i say as surely at least of human laws that where mystery begins justice ends it is hard to say whether the doctors of law or divinity have made the greater advances in the lucrative business of mystery the lawyers as well as the theologians have erected another reason besides natural reason and the result has been another justice besides natural justice they have so bewildered the world and themselves in unmeaning forms and ceremonies and so perplexed the plainest matters with metaphysical jargon that it carries the highest danger to a man out of that profession to make the least step without their advice and assistance thus by confining to themselves the knowledge of the foundation of all men's lives and properties they have reduced all mankind into the most abject and servile dependence we are tenants at the will of these gentlemen for everything and a metaphysical quibble is to decide whether the greatest villain breathing shall meet his deserts or escape with impunity or whether the best man in the society shall not be reduced to the lowest and most despicable condition it affords in a word my lord the injustice delay puerility false refinement and affected mystery of the law are such that any who live under it come to admire and envy the expedition simplicity and equality of arbitrary judgments i need insist the less on this article to your lordship as you have frequently lamented the miseries derived to us from artificial law and your candour is the more to be admired and applauded in this as your lordship's noble house has derived its wealth and its honours from that profession before we finish our examination of artificial society i shall lead your lordship into a closer consideration of the relations which it gives birth to and the benefits if such they are which result from these relations the most obvious decision of societies into rich and poor and it is no less obvious that the number of the former bear a great disproportion to those of the latter the whole business of the poor is to administer to the idleness folly and luxury of the rich and that of the rich in return is to find the best methods of confirming the slavery and increasing the burdens of the poor in a state of nature it is an invariable law that a man's acquisitions 
are in proportion to his labors in a state of artificial society it is a law as constant and as invariable that those who labor must enjoy the fewest things and that those who labor not at all have the greatest number of enjoyments a constitution of things this strange and ridiculous beyond expression we scarce believe a thing when we are told it which we actually see before our eyes every day without being in the least surprised i suppose that there are in great britain upwards of a hundred thousand people employed in lead tin iron copper and coal mines these unhappy riches scarce ever see the light of the sun they are buried in the bowels of the earth there they work at a severe and dismal task without the least prospect of being delivered from it they subsist upon the coarsest and worst sort of fare they have their health miserably impaired and their lives cut short by being perpetually confined in the close vapour of these maglement minerals a hundred thousand more at least are tortured without remission by the suffocating smoke intense fires and constant drudgery necessary in refining them managing the products of those mines if any man informed us that two hundred thousand innocent persons were condemned to so intolerable slavery how should we pity the unhappy sufferers and how great would be our just indignation against those who inflicted so cruel and ignominious a punishment this is an instance i could not wish a stronger of the numberless things which we pass by in their common dress it would shock us when they are nakedly represented but this number considerable as it is and the slavery with all its baseness and horror which we have at home is nothing to what the rest of the world affords of the same nature millions daily bathed in the poisonous damps and destructive effluvia of lead silver copper or arsenic to say nothing of those other employments those stations of wretchedness or contempt in which civil society has placed the numerous ephans purtis of her army would any rational man submit to one of the most tolerable of these drudgeries for all the artificial enjoyments which policy has made to result from them by no means and yet need i suggest to your lordship that those who find the means and those who arrive at the end are not at all the same persons on considering the strange and unaccountable fancies and contrivances of artificial reason i have somewhat called this earth the bedlam of our system looking now upon the effects of some of those fancies may we not with equal reason call it likewise the newgate and the bridgewell of the universe indeed the blindness of one part of mankind co-operating with the frenzy and villainy of the other has been the real builder of this respectable fabric of political science and as the blindness of mankind has caused their slavery in return their state of slavery is made a pretense for continuing them in a state of blindness for the politician will tell you gravely 
that their life of servitude disqualifies the greater part of the race of man for a search of truth and supplies them with no other than mean and insufficient ideas this is but too true and this is one of the reasons for which i blame such institutions in a misery of this sort admitting some few lenitives and those too few but a nine parts in ten of the whole race of mankind drudge through life it may be urged perhaps in palation of this that at least the rich few find a considerable and real benefit from the wretchedness of the many but is this so in fact let us examine the point with a little more attention for this purpose the rich in all societies may he thrown into two classes the first is of those who are powerful as well as rich and conduct the operations of the vast political machine the other is of those who employ their riches wholly in the acquisition of pleasure as to the first sort their continual care and anxiety their toilsome days and sleepless nights are next to proverbial these circumstances are sufficient almost to level their condition to that of the unhappy majority but there are other circumstances which place them in a far lower condition not only their understandings labor continually which is the severest labor but their hearts are torn by the worst most troublesome and insatisfable of all passions by avarice by ambition by fear and jealousy no part of the mind has rest power gradually extirpates from the mind every human and gentle virtue pity benevolence friendship are things almost unknown in high stations Vrai amicitate rarissimi in venitur in is qui in honoribius requi publica versentur says hero and indeed courts are the schools where cruelty pride dissimulation and treachery are studied and taught in the most vicious perfection this is a point so clear and acknowledged that if it did not make a necessary part of my subject i should pass it by entirely and this has hindered me from drawing full length in the most striking colours the shocking picture of the degeneracy and wretchedness of human nature in that part which is vulgarly though its happiest and most admirable state you know from what originals i could copy such pictures happy are they who know enough of them to know the little value of the possessors of such things and of all that they possess and happy they who have been snatched from the post danger which they occupy with the remains of their virtue loss of honours wealth titles and even the loss of one's country is nothing in balance with so great an advantage let us now view the other species of the rich those who devote their time and fortunes to idleness and pleasure how much happier are they 
the pleasures which are agreeable to nature are within the reach of all and therefore can form no distinction in favour of the rich the pleasures which art forces are seldom sincere and never satisfying what is worse this constant application to pleasure takes away from the enjoyment or rather turns it into the nature of a very burdensome and laborious business it has consequences much more fatal in produces a weak valentudinary state of body attended by all those horrid disorders and yet more horrid methods of cure which are the result of luxury on the one hand and the weak and ridiculous efforts of human art on the other the pleasures of such men are scarcely felt as pleasures at the same time that they bring on pains and diseases which are felt but too severely the mind has its share of the misfortune it grows lazy and invate when willing and unable to search for truth and utterly incapable of knowing much less of relishing real happiness the poor by their excessive labor and the rich by their enormous luxury are set upon a level and rendered equally ignorant of any knowledge which might conduce to their happiness a dismal view of the interior of all civil society the lower part broken and ground down by the most cruel oppression and the rich by their artificial method of life bringing worse evils on themselves than their tyranny could possibly inflict on those below them very different is the prospect of the natural state here there are no wants which nature gives and in this state men can be sensible of no other wants which are not to be supplied by a very moderate degree of labor therefore there is no slavery neither is there luxury because no single man can supply the materials of it life is simple and therefore it is happy i am conscience my lord that your politician will urge in his defence that this unequal state is highly useful that without dooming some part of mankind to extraordinary toil the arts which cultivate life could not be exercised by demand of this politician how such arts came to be necessary he answers that civil society could not well exist without them so that these arts are necessary to civil society and civil society necessary again to these arts thus are we running in a circle without modesty without end and making an error an extravagance an excuse from the other my sentiments about these arts and their cause i have often discouraged with my friends at large pope has expressed them in good verse where he talks with so much force of reason and elegance of language in praise of the state of nature then was not pride nor arts that pride to aid man walked with beast joined tenant of the shade on the whole my lord a political society in whatever form has still made the many of property of the few if it has introduced labors unnecessary 
vices and diseases unknown and pleasures incompatible with nature if in all countries it abridges the lives of millions and renders those of millions more utterly subject and miserable shall we all worship so destructive an idol and daily sacrifice it to our health our liberty and our peace or shall we pass by this monstrous heap of absurd notions and abominable practices thinking we have sufficiently discharged our duty in exposing the trifling cheats and ridiculous juggles of a few mad designing or ambitious priests alas my lord we labour under a mortal consumption whilst we are so anxious about the cure of a sore finger for has not this leviathan of civil power overflowed the earth with the deluge of blood as if he were made to disport and play therein we have shown that political society on a moderate calculation has been the means of murdering several times the number of inhabitants now upon the earth during its short existence not upwards of four thousand years in any accounts to be depended on but we have said nothing of the other and perhaps as bad consequence of these wars which have spilled such seas of blood and reduced so many millions to a merciless slavery but these are only the ceremonies performed in the porch of the political temple much more horrid ones are seen as you enter it the several species of government vie with each other in the absurdity of their constitutions and the oppression which they make their subjects endure take them under what form you please they are in effect but a despotism and they fall both in effect and appearance too after a very short period into that cruel and detestable species of tyranny which i rather call it because we have been educated under another form then that this is of worse consequences to mankind for the free governments for the point of their space and the moment of their duration have felt more confusion and committed more flagrant acts of tyranny than the most perfect despotic governments which we have ever known turn your eye next to the labyrinth of the law and the iniquity conceived in its intricate recesses consider the ravages committed in the babels of all commonwealths by ambition by verse, envy fraud open injustice and pretended friendship vices which could draw little support from a state of nature but which blossom and flourish in the rankness of political society resolve our whole discourse added to all those reflections which your own good understanding shall suggest and make a strenuous effort beyond the reach of vulgar philosophy to confess that the cause of artificial society is more defenceless even than that of artificial religion that it is as derogatory from the honour of the creator as subversive of human reason and productive of infinitely more mischief to the human race if pretended revelations have caused wars where they are opposed and slavery where they were received the pretended wise inventions of politicians have done the same but the slavery has been much heavier the wars far more bloody and both more universal by many degrees show me any mischief produced 
by the madness or wickedness of theologians and i will show you a hundred resulting from the ambition and villainy of conquerors and statesmen show me an absurdity in religion and i will undertake to show you a hundred for one in political laws and institutions if you say that natural religion is a sufficient guide without foreign aid of revelation on what principle should political laws become necessary is not the same reason available in theology and in politics if the laws of nature are the laws of god it is consistent with the divine wisdom to prescribe rules to us and leave the enforcement of them to folly of human institutions will you follow truth but to a certain point we are indebted for all our miseries to our distrust of that guide which providence thought sufficient for our condition our own natural reason which rejecting both in human and divine things we have given our necks to the yoke of political and theological slavery we have renounced the prerogative of man and it is no wonder that we should be treated like beasts but our misery is much greater than theirs as the crime we commit in rejecting the lawful dominion of our reason is greater than any which they can commit if after all you should confess all these things yet plead the necessity of political institutions weak and wicked as they are i can argue with equal perhaps superior force concerning the necessity of artificial religion and every step advance in your argument you add in strength to mine so that if we are resolved to submit our reason and our liberty to civil respiration we have nothing to do but to conform as quietly as we can to vulgar notions which are connected with this and take up the theology of the vulgar as well as their politics but if we think this necessity rather imaginary than real we should renounce their dreams of society together with their visions of religion and vindicate ourselves into perfect liberty you are my lord but just entering into the world i am going out of it i played long enough to be heartily tired of the drama whether i have acted my part in it well or ill posterity will judge with more candour than i or than the present age with our present passions can possibly pretend to for my part i quit it without a sigh and submit to the sovereign order without murmuring the nearer we approach to the goal of our life the better we begin to understand the true value of our existence and the real weight of our opinions we set out much in love with both but we leave much behind us as we advance we first throw away the tails along with the rattles of our nurses those of the priests keep their hold a little longer those of our governors the longest of all but the passions which pop these opinions are withdrawn one after another and the cool light of reason at the setting of our life shows us what a false splendor played upon these objects during our more sanguine reasons happy my lord if instructed by the, my experience and even by my errors you come early to make such an estimate of things as may give freedom and ease to your life i am happy that such an estimate promises me comfort at my death End of section three read by elijah fisher